1: We said this would be a busy week on Monday's Buzzcast. We knew we had the news about baseball. We knew we had the Masters coming up, and the busy week continues. This is your morning, Buzzcast, for Wednesday, April 7th. Good morning. I'm Abe Madcor. It is hump day. Let's start with some news that was more of a clarification last night, because the U.S. State Department last night Denied that the United States is considering joining allies in a boycott of the 2022 Olympics in Beijing over human rights violations in China. This denial last night came after US State Department spokesperson Ned Price said on Tuesday that a coordinated approach with allies was under consideration about a possible boycott. I'll just say I'm so glad the State Department clarified this position. I have spoken to no one. No one in the sports business who, of course, believes any form of boycott would be effective. There are still massive scars from the Carter administration's decision to boycott the Moscow Summer Games in 1980. I believe Mitt Romney's op-ed, which we talked about here on the Morning Buzzcast just a couple of weeks ago, is the standard here. Could there be an economic boycott by sponsors and fans? Absolutely. But as Mitt Romney wrote, Do not punish the athletes who have trained for this time. This is a story, I've said it before, it's going to be in the news for the foreseeable future. Speaking of boycotts, and if you read one thing today, former Major League Commissioner Faye Vincent writes in the Wall Street Journal and is very critical of Rob Manfred's decision to pull the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. He says that a boycott is, quote, generally an act of desperation, end quote, and he says they have largely been unsuccessful. Meanwhile, Vincent adds that Rob Manfred failed to spell out specific criticisms of Georgia's voting law, and he feels that Manfred has put baseball in an awkward position of having to defend voting laws in other states, specifically Colorado, where they have moved the All-Star game. It's an interesting read, whether you agree or disagree, but it's worth a read. Faye Vincent writes an op-ed in today's Wall Street Journal. Let's wrap up the NCAA Men's National Championship, because a day after crowning a men's champion for the first time since 2019, of course, the NCAA's Danny Gavitt said the event, which was held primarily in Indianapolis and exclusively in Indiana could be a model for future tournaments. He didn't think a full event would be in one venue, but he did say from the Sweet 16 and on, having teams in one location or the same location may be something the NCAA would consider for the future. So obviously, Gavitt felt there was some benefit of having teams in one central location, but it won't be happening for a while. Remember, New Orleans is the site next year for the Final Four. Houston is the site in 2023. But Gavitt did also stress a couple of other things. They had nearly 29,000 COVID tests and just 15 positive tests over the men's tournament, and that's to be commended. Meanwhile, more than 170,000 fans attended the 66 games. So, again, while there was a lot of criticism of the NCAA, they did operate a very effective men's and women's tournaments on the ground. Meanwhile, let's look at the ratings because Baylor's win over Gonzaga on Monday night averaged 16.9 million viewers. What does that mean? Well, it was the second lowest figure on record for the men's NCAA championship. That's from our Austin Carp. That number is down 14% from Virginia, Texas Tech two years ago, but it is up. 6%, remember the record low of just around 16 million viewers that was Villanova Michigan 2018 that game of course was not on CBS but TBS TNT and True TV which depressed that number just a bit but it should be noted that even though Baylor Gonzaga game was the second lowest figure on record it was still easily the most watched non-football sports telecasts since the pandemic began last March. So overall, the NCAA tournament was down 14% compared to 2019, but only 7% compared to 2018. I think they'll take these numbers. The NCAA will take these numbers. CBS and Turner will certainly take these numbers. Remember, they had to shift their schedule. They had more games during the weekdays. They also didn't have a Duke. They didn't have a Louisville. They didn't have a Kentucky. North Carolina and Ohio State were out early. So again, they'll take these numbers. CBS and Turner did win the night, Across all of TV, each of the 11 times the tournament had a game in prime time still shows the power of sports broadcasts. Staying with college news, Wasserman made a move in the college space. They acquired Riddle & Bloom. That is a Boston-based marketing firm that targets college students, generally outside of athletic venues. So what do they do? Well, they do influencer campaigns. They do marketing programs. They do experiential efforts. So Riddle and Bloom services around 400 to 500 campuses at one time. Wasserman saw this as a very strategic acquisition to target young people. I think it's a very smart move. Riddle and Bloom had been owned by Ben Sutton's Teal Capital since November of 2017. Wasserman makes a big move in the college space with its acquisition of Riddle and Bloom. I want to shift to baseball because a few years ago, a Nike executive told me how the company's alternate jerseys were driving sales and interest in the NBA and how young fans really love them. He wished that other sports would follow the NBA's lead in these type of Nike jerseys. Well, now, baseball is in on the action. Yes, if you saw the news yesterday, Nike's new City Connect jersey was unveiled around the Red Sox. The Red Sox will debut a new-look uniform on April 17th, and let's just say it's not your traditional Red Sox jersey. You have to go check it out on our website. It's got rich yellow. It's got Boston written in a blue script. The Boston Marathon served as inspiration for this jersey. It's certainly different. The most drastically different uniform the Red Sox have worn that I can remember. But that's exactly what baseball wanted. They want to develop a more trendy apparel and fashion line. They feel this will be their ticket in. Remember, every Major League Baseball team is expected to have a City Connect jersey by the end of the 2023 season. So, again, another trend to watch as baseball and Nike unveil these City Connect jerseys, first one, around the Red Sox on April 17th. We've talked a little bit on the Buzzcast about the NFT craze. We'll consider Tom Brady a part of it now. Tom Brady will launch an NFT platform called Autograph. Autograph CEO Dylan Rosenblatt said the company will bring together some of the world's top names and brands. They'll launch NFTs and experiences What interested me is the advisory board of this company called Autograph. Brady and entrepreneur Richard Rosenblatt will be co-chairs of Autograph. But the advisory board consists of DraftKings' Jason Robbins, Peter Guber, who of course owns the Warriors and is co-owner of the LA Dodgers, and Live Nation's Michael Rapino. So some heavy hitters are backing Tom Brady's entry into the NFT business. So let's end with some people like we do a lot on the Buzzcast. NASCAR made a number of executive changes yesterday, more than a dozen executive moves. We have all the details on our website. The ones that caught my eye, Senior Vice President of Marketing Pete Young, he'll move into the CMO role. That was the position last held by Joe Gregory. Remember, Joe Gregory left NASCAR to lead Sonoma Raceway in California. Meanwhile, NASCAR Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, Ben Kennedy, he is one to watch at NASCAR. He is being promoted to Senior Vice President of Strategic Development. He is taking on an increasingly active role within NASCAR. Ben Kennedy was one of our new voices under 30. He is one to watch at NASCAR. Another important move at NASCAR is Daryl Wolf. He is no stranger to the NASCAR world. He moves up to chief revenue officer. He's been in the business for years, very well regarded. So some major moves done by Steve Phelps at NASCAR. Finally, there is another major opening at the athletic director level. That's right. University of Wisconsin athletic director Barry Alvarez will retire on June 30th. Let's just say you will read big names will be connected to this opening. Wisconsin is a major marquee job for an athletic director. There'll be a lot of interest. So again, a very busy day in what's been a very busy week. That's your Morning Buzzcast for Wednesday, April 7th. I'm Abe Madcor. Hope everybody has a great day. Stay healthy. Be good to each other. I'll speak to you tomorrow.